on, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to the early edition of the Sooner Nation podcast. Rich DeCray, I'm Matt Hofeld. We're going to focus on Big 12 offensive linemen. This is something that we've been doing, and we kind of had a little skip there because of the 4th of July weekend, not being able to get together to record. But we're back. We've already done running backs. We've already done quarterbacks. We've already done wide receivers and tight ends. But we got to focus on the guys who get it done, the guys up front. You're, the success of your team rises or falls based off of your offensive linemen. And Rich, there's never been a really, 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 really good team that's had a bad offensive line. And there's never been a really, really, really bad team that has a good offensive line. Do you agree or disagree? I do agree with that wholeheartedly. Okay, so we're going to jump in here on this then, and we're going to maybe debate. I don't know what your I don't know what your rankings are. You don't know what my rankings are. So I'm always curious on this. How much am I out in left field by myself, or how much are we like-minded? So let's bring it in here. Um, 24-7 Sports last week uh, released their kind of projections for the, um, for the Big 12, and I'm going to read those projections because my number 10, my, my worst – team in the Big 12 is almost in the middle of the pack on these 24-7 sports projections. So 24-7 sports has the Kansas Jayhawks at number 10, West Virginia, Texas Tech tied at number 8, Baylor number 7, Kansas State number 6, TCU number 5, Texas number 4, Iowa State number 3, number 2, Oklahoma State, and number 1, the Oklahoma Sooners. My number 10, the worst offensive line group I have going into the into the start of the season is Kansas State. This is a team that they lost five senior starters, and that pretty much tells you the, the story. That That's all you need to know. Now, they do return five players from last year's too deep, but you can't lose five senior starters. Uh, you just It didn't ha- even happen at OU. Le- OU didn't even lose five stars. They lost four, and they took a step back. You're telling me Kansas State is not going to take a significant step back from last year to this year with five brand new starters on the offensive line, I got the Wildcats at number 10. I too have the Wildcats at number 10 for the exact same reasons that you're listing here. When you have that level of turnover, there will be a setback. I've bought into it. It's why I've got them at number 10. We are unanimous there, which means number nine for me is is a team that I think has experienced a very similar situation in the TCU Horn Frogs. When we look at what they did last year, there wasn't much dominance that was established there in the trenches, more specifically on the offensive line, but we could even look at the defensive side of the ball for this TCU Horn Frogs team. When it comes to what they're replacing, I believe they're replacing four four starters along the offensive line. So what that means for me is that there, even if you have one starter coming back, there's virtually no chemistry along the offensive line. So as far as TCU is concerned, they're in a very similar spot to Kansas state for me, which is why I've got those two together linked forever right now. I guess that's not forever then, but they are linked at the bottom of the pile. Well, I've got different thoughts on TCU, and we'll hit that up a little bit later here in this episode. But I've got at number nine a potential contender, a contender, Rich, at number nine. I've got the Iowa State Cyclones at number nine. And they, they've they got one returning starter in Trevor Downing at left guard. And this kid's talented, but Matt Campbell's going to have to put some guys around him in an effort to really boost they're what they can be as a as a title as a championship contender. I look, I, 
I like Brock, Pur- Brock Purdy. I-, I like everything about Iowa State except for their offensive line. And if we're just judging and making predictions based off one position group on its own, they're number nine for me. Number eight, I've got the Kansas Jayhawks. Yes, you heard that right. I've got the Kansas Jayhawks ahead of the Iowa State Cyclones, and it's because they've got Malik Clark and Chris Hughes returning at both of their guard spots. Now they are replacing three starters, but you got two guards. You got, I mean, you've got the the development there, and you are a step ahead of a team like Iowa State. So uh, Kansas State for me, number ten. Iowa State number nine, and the Kansas Jayhawks, Les Miles, number eight. By the way, can we? I don't think we've done this. Um, let's give a shout out to Les Miles and the Kansas Jayhawks for landing the Coleman kid, wide receiver. It's the highest rated football recruit that uh, Kansas has ever received. Now, wait a second. Are we going to give Les Miles the credit, or should we really be looking at Bill Self? Hey, hey he committed to play football, so I think we got to talk about Les Miles. Regardless, he's the highest rated football recruit in the history of the program. You got to you got to look at Les Miles and say, "Good job, buddy." I, I do find it a little bit difficult to say. Kansas is offering they're they're gonna front the scholarship from the football program. I get that. Kansas Bill Self wise may not have really been interested in Keon Coleman, but now that he's on campus, he'll take him. And who if if you want a future in basketball, who's gonna turn down Kansas University when it's it's the only real option that you even have available to you, even if it's through the vein of football? Hey, and that's assuming that uh, Kansas basketball is going to survive this NCAA thing that's going on. All right, your number eight. Yeah, I'm going to give you my number eight, which is, surprise, surprise, also the Kansas Jayhawks. uh, Wait a minute, who do you have at nine? At number nine, I have TCU. Yeah, we and, talked about and that. And at number bad. 10, my I have bad. Kansas yeah, State. Yeah, my bad. Sorry. Yeah, so number eight, the I Kansas Jayhawks. I got lost in Jayhawks. the moment. I'm, I'm, I, thinking, I'm thinking Keon Coleman because he would have been really good on Oklahoma's recruiting. But we'll go ahead. Go, sorry. The Hakeem, and I'm going to butcher this name. I'm going to pull him out here. Adenajai, is that how you say it? Sure, it sounds good to me. I, I think he was a, a major loss along the offensive line. Kansas has attempted to use a stopgap, something I've referenced on a previous podcast, by injecting these JUCO players all over the roster. When it comes to the offensive line, the one bright spot and the reason that I'm putting Kansas above the likes of TCU as well as Kansas State is that they'll at least have a veteran group of players to pull from. They'll have an experienced, not necessarily starting experience, but they will have an experienced group a talent pool, if you will, to pull from along that offensive line, which means that number seven sliding up the list is the West Virginia Mountaineers, a team who is absolutely atrocious along the offensive line in 2019. I'm surprised. I surprised myself, Matt, by ranking them this high at this point in time. When I look at West Virginia, I believe that they were in a state of emergency ranking 129th yards per carry last season. Sills, Decides to transfer, which, again, a a big blow to the program along that offensive line. When I begin to look at what what could they salvage from this experience, and it's just that. Experience was gained. All right, so again, here's here's a group. I don't know it's as talented as some of the other rosters, but they do have some experienced players to pull from to put on that offensive line. That can either be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. I'm leaning towards maybe that's a good thing this year for West Virginia. 
Well, sometimes it is a bad thing when all of your your talent returns. But I've again, I'm going to have some different thoughts on West Virginia that we'll have to get to here in a little bit. I've got Texas Tech at number seven. The Red Raiders are only returning two starters, and they not only did they lose Terrence Steele and Travis Buffery, but they were they were both in the top three and number of starts along the offensive line last season. So they didn't just lose both of their tackles. They lost two of their three most experienced offensive linemen. So um, that, that's big holes, but a lot of talent, particularly at the quarterback spot, if you can protect him. Texas Tech number seven for me. And then I'm running out my bottom half. Here we go. I've got Oklahoma State. This is this is a difference maker for the Cowboys. You got the best wide receiver in the country. You got potentially the best running back in the country. You got a pretty salty quarterback, but I don't think you can overlook the impact of the sudden retirement of Dylan Galloway. That moves Oklahoma State's offensive line from a potential strength to a, a potential question mark because you've just got two returning starters now. You went from three, the majority offensive line, to two. Now you've got three guys, three three spots on that line that you've got to figure out what you're going to do with. And it doesn't matter how good your running back is. If you can't create a hole, if you can't make some space, it's going to make it hard for him. I've got Oklahoma State. Just, just Galloway itself moved them into the bottom half for me. Number six, I do not have Oklahoma State. We're going to disagree here. For the second time on these the, this little stint, number six, I put Texas Tech. And the real reason that Texas Tech is so low, because I believe they're capable of much better things, but I'm not 100% certain where a guy like Jack Anderson is going to be once once he steps back onto the field. Mm-hmm. We know that he suffered an injury, that he was sidelined. He'll be recovering from that injury last fall. Is he going to be the same type of player? A lot is going to hinge on that. You've already mentioned the number of returning starters, but you throw in the guy that's not only the leader, but the anchor of this offensive line, and you put a question mark over his head. That is reason for concern. Again, I believe Texas Tech could be in the top five if if they had Jack Anderson at 100% and not having that injury in the fall. So I'm, I've got them at, at number six to round out my bottom five. Okay, so that's uh, we, we are different on our bottom five, which means we're going to be different on our top five, which could make this final 10, 15 minutes or so of the podcast a little bit fun because I'm going to tell you what I think of, uh, of some of the teams you had in the bottom five, and I'm going to give you a chance to maybe rebuttal or maybe say, you know what, Matt, I didn't think about that. Maybe you're right. I'm going to give you that opportunity, Rich. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, You've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, everything's PG. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 510 declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Okay, so here we go. Starting with the top, the bottom five. Do you want to go first? I, I, I went first to lead off the no, with number didn't. 10. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. I, I, I'm in control. <laughs> yeah, here, let, let, let me go with number five. All right. Um, and this is this is probably the team I struggled with the most. Oklahoma and State. It, 
It is not Oklahoma uh, State. You got I, Oklahoma State top four? I have Oklahoma State top four. Oh, surprise, wow. surprise. Okay. I went... It, it, let me back up. The reason that I struggled so mightily, it's the Baylor Bears, but the reason I struggled so mightily is because Baylor's given up the most number of sacks over the past two years of all Big 12 teams. They've always come in last. Is it a good thing that they have experience? Sure. But is it a bad thing that that experience continuously and has proven that they are going to give up those sacks? Now, sure, I get some of those can fall on the quarterback and decisions that are made in the backfield when carrying the ball. But ultimately, a majority of that responsibility falls on the offensive line. So again, I struggled with putting them in the top five, but here they are making a comeback. And I I, I, I just have this inkling in me that's basing it off of potential and saying that they do finally right the ship mm-hmm. and they don't give up that same number of sacks this year, which again, forces them in that top five for me. Okay. Well, I've definitely got them in my top five as well. Just not at number five where I got the TCU horn oh frogs. Goodness. I've got TCU as a top five. And look, you, you were right. You said Coy McMillan, you one returning starter from last year, but don't overlook guards, uh, Quazelle white and Austin Myers, who also have starting experience. It's not like this is a team that's in a Kansas State uh, type position or even an, uh, an Iowa State type position. There is time or talent and, and room on this TCU offensive line for these guys who have experience to step up and do something. I also think, and this is why I want to get your opinion, I also think when you look at the, the youth movement um, with TCU at quarterback last year and then the suspensions and problems that they had at the at the wide receiver position and then also just they were they were average at running back I think all that leads up to offensive problems not just the offensive line I think the offensive line for TCU may have been better than what was expected than what we think they were so three guys TCU's top five in my opinion Give me your number four. So you got nothing to say about TCU? I, I really don't. I mean, I've already hashed it out with okay. myself well, then here before we go. writing this. Well, right. and, and like I said, it's, it is that that replacing of, of four full-time starters uh-huh. along the offensive line that to me says there is no chemistry. And you can inject the two players that you've already mentioned, Matt, and say they have starting experience, but we know you're only as good as your weakest link on the offensive line. So if any of those players come in and they prove that they aren't quite ready to assume a full-time starting role, there's going to be a problem. Okay. Oklahoma did that shuffle last yeah. year. We we see the consequences right. of it. I think TCU is going to get full force. Okay, well, keep, The full brunt of, of that shuffle. All, right, all I'm going to say is keep in mind what you're saying right now mm-hmm. for when you get to Iowa State. Okay. All right. Just keep that that in mind. Okay. Uh, number four, it stays in the same in the same boat because I've got West Virginia again, a team that was in your bottom half. I've got them at number four. They've got all three guys on the interior of their line. Um, now they do have to replace the the, the tackles. Okay. They they lost two guys, including the uh, uh, Colton and I. Again, I'm bad with names. McKivitz. He's in the NFL now, so they they lost an NFL caliber player, but. Again, look at the quarterback play for West Virginia last year. Was the quarterback play bad because of the offensive line, or did the offensive line look bad because of the quarterback play? When you've got a guy that everyone thought was going to be pretty much all-world in Austin Kendall, 
and he can't make it through the season as a starter without getting replaced. And now it looks like he won't be the starter going into the fall. It lets me know I think there was a problem at quarterback. Also, there was a problem at wide receiver. You got one good wide receiver. So, again, I'm going back to what I said about TCU. I'm judging this just on the position itself. And I see three guys on the interior of this line that are going to come back with experience. I think the problem was quarterback, and I think the problem was running back, and I think the problem was wide receiver. You you sent a guy to the NFL from this offensive line last year. This is the line that you said wasn't any good. There's a guy playing on, well, going to be on the NFL roster when camps open up. So I think this is a better line than what people are giving credit for. And with three, when you look across the board at the, the offensive lines in this conference, three returning starters, yeah, I, I'll put them top four. So Fair point. I got TCU five, West Virginia number four. At number four for me, I do have a state team, Matt. You'd, you'd be happy to know this. It's not Oklahoma State, though. It is indeed Iowa State. <laughs> <laughs> Your face right now is priceless. And I wish I could have taken a picture. I do have Iowa State. And here's what I'm buying into. I hear your argument, and you said everything I was saying about Baylor and why I, I'm kind of surprised that I've put them – or no, excuse me, TCU, mm-hmm. and why I've put them so low. I, I get that that can be applied here to Iowa State, but I'm buying into the fact that Matt Campbell has gone on the record and said over the past three seasons, we've been very successful in securing the offensive line targets that we desired to place on our roster. Now, if that's true – this is the year for this offensive line to put up or shut up. They're I, all new. They can't put up. They're all new. They're talent. Matt, three years, three years, okay, of recruiting. It has to manifest itself on the field. I'm basing, and I'm going to be 100% honest and transparent here. I'm basing <laughs> a lot of Iowa State's ranking on their potential versus where they truly sit. Right. And that's what that's the point mm-hmm. I was making because right. this is a team that has potential at quarterback, potential at running back, right. potential at they they've got probably going into the season the best tight end in the Big 12. Here's what I'll say, um but their offensive line is a huge question mark. And you look at has Texas not gotten most of the guys that they want at their position groups? No. So we're gonna Oklahoma are, takes are, them. Are we, are we gonna Alabama takes them? Are we gonna say Texas? Well, they, they, I mean, Tom Herman's been there for three years. So I mean, Matt, it. Matt, if we say that, then then Texas would have had a legitimate running back on the field, okay. not a converted quarterback. Right, that, that's that, I I'll 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 accept your point <laughs> Concede. there. Okay, I'm just okay. saying, as I look at Iowa State. And I, I'm a Matt Campbell fan. Mm-hmm. I'm an Iowa State fan. I'm a Brock Purdy fan. And going in again, going into the season, best quarterback in the Big 12 that we know of, Brock Purdy. But I look at this team and I look at the offensive line and I'm scratching my head going, these kids, they, they just have to grow up. They have to grow up immediately, especially mm-hmm. if we end up canceling non-conference games and they jump right back into the fire right. at, at, with, in conference play. This is what I said about Iowa State. You mentioned Trevor Downing. I believe they've got another interior lineman who's very capable that does have experience, albeit it may not be the starting experience that you're looking for in order to bump them up the list. But Colin Newell is on that on that interior of the offensive line as well. So when I look at what Iowa State has to replace, they are replacing quite a few. I get it. I get that it's inexperienced talent, but it's talent nonetheless. I do believe that they will do an excellent job of that. You look at what they've got in the backfield. I mean, uh, Bryce, 
I just blanked on his last name. The running back at mm-hmm. Iowa State doesn't have a successful season if this if this offensive line doesn't come together. Nobody and, has and, a successful season if they don't come together. <laughs> and I think they do by the very nature of being in this situation. I think they come together and they actually surprise you, but not me. Okay, let's see. Let's reset here. Number 10, I've got Kansas because we're about to get in our top three. Number 10, I've got Kansas State. Number 9, Iowa State. We are so that's the one we're so far off on. Uh number 8, I've got Kansas. Number 7, Texas Tech. 6 is Oklahoma State. 5 TCU. 4 is West Virginia. And then we're about to get in the top 3. Reset us with your with your 6 or your 7. My number ten. 7? No, 10 through Okay, go, okay. Go 10 through so 3. Ten, or 10 through 4, sorry. At 10 I had Kansas State. At number 9 I had the TCU Horn Frogs. 8 was the Kansas Jayhawks. I know we agreed. There 7 was the West Virginia Mountaineers and 6 was the Texas Tech Red Raiders bringing us to 5 the Baylor Bears, 4 Iowa State. So I do number, need to give you my 3, don't I? Yeah, so number, I only gave you my 4. Right, but I wanted to reset this before mm-hmm. because I are you going to have Oklahoma State number 3? I may. We'll, we'll have to the, wait and find out. Well, we don't have to wait very much longer. Let's At see number one, <laughs> Oklahoma, not state. Um, number three, I do have Oklahoma State. In fact, I, I know that you've mentioned the loss right. along the offensive line for Oklahoma State. I didn't really think that he was going to be the anchor for that offensive line. I think everybody was really turning towards Tevin Jenkins to go from a capable a stout offensive line men into a star offensive lineman. I'm I'm riding that one to the bank. I think he does live up to the potential that he possesses, that he anchors this offensive line. I also believe Oklahoma State, and and this may have changed with that Galloway news, but I think there's potential for them to land two linemen on the all-conference list. I'm not saying first team. But I'm saying two linemen on the all-conference list. And because of that, I don't think I can say that of any other team that I've already mentioned. But because of that simple fact, I, I am putting them in the top three. Look, I, I, I want to be clear. I don't think I said Galloway was going to be the anchor of the line. I just said he's going to be a big loss because you mm-hmm. go from three returning starters to, to two returning starters. And going back to what you just said, you're only as good as your weakest link. And now you have three opportunities, three new opportunities to have that weak link instead right. of two. And that just, I just think that's real. I mean, again – when everything goes right for Oklahoma State, the offensive line has always been their Achilles heel. And that's going to be – It, think looks, gonna, it right. looks like it's shaping up to be that way once again this year. There's just way too many questions for me to put them top five, much less top three. That's fine. So here we go. I got number three. I've got the, uh, the loathsome, hated – Texas Longhorns. Now, the, the Longhorns do return a guy like Sam Cosme, who I think has all-conference potential um, at left tackle. But, again, look at what they lost. They've got three guys coming back, but they lost. They did lose their anchor. They lost Shackelford in the middle. They lost their left uh, guard and, and Parker Braun. They're, they're restarting, but they're, they're way ahead of the seven teams I have behind them. Um, and so, Texas, you, you've got – I still say, you know, Joe Longhorn is not going to agree with this, but I still say you got a question mark at quarterback. You've got a young guy that's going to come in and play running back. You lost your top receivers. This offensive line has to be impeccable for them. They've got three opportunities to really make a statement with it. And then you got two guys, one in the very middle at center. They're going to have to step in and immediately perform at a high level. And again, Going back to what I said about Iowa State, if we end up skipping non-conference play and you start right in 
to uh, right into Big 12 play, then that puts these two guys and one of them right in the very center of your offensive line under the fire immediately. Texas is sitting good. They're in a decent spot, but they're definitely not the top in the Big 12. Texas, uh, I have them coming in uh, at number two. I'm going to go ahead and, and use a spoiler alert there for you because I like the points that you make about Sam Cosme being one of the better or one of the best offensive linemen in the Big 12, regardless of where you play at along that line. There are some concerns. A lot of those are going to exist in the locker room, and I'm I'm curious to know how Texas is going to respond as a team because mm-hmm. if they can't come together as a cohesive unit from front to back, it's a team that's that's going to fall apart. And it doesn't matter if the talent on the offensive line is superb or outweighs any other program in the country. If, if as I mentioned, if they can't come together as a cohesive unit because of what's happening in the locker room, it's going to be a disastrous year, and you won't see any of those names appear on the all Big Twelve conference all all conference lists. Okay, so I've got uh, you got Texas uh, number two, mm-hmm. number two. I've got the Baylor Bears. Um, and man, I'm surprised uh, by that. <laughs> no, because look, you got uh, he, here's here's what separates Baylor from Texas, in my opinion. The sex is physicality. Baylor is a is a okay. physical team. Matt Rule preached from day one physicality. He took his guys out there and they did the stinking Oklahoma drill before games. This is a team that they were that they, we may not be better than you, but we're stronger than you. You may be faster than us, but we're going to hit you harder. And that's a mentality that went everywhere from the quarterback to the defensive side of the ball to the smallest guy on the team. They're very physical and they return. Both guys on the left side of their offensive line, plus um, they return the right tackle, Blake uh, Beater, who's going to be a, I mean, an NFL-type guy. They're, they're almost in the same boat as the Texas Longhorns. The big question mark here, what is the coaching change going to do the mentality? But based off of what we know, this is a team that was much more physical than Texas was last year. And so because of that, I got to put them at number two. And that means we're going to have the exact same number one. And Mm -hmm. it's the very first time on all of our offensive rankings, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, running back, very first time we've had Oklahoma in the number one position. So I'm going to let you give your first thoughts on the Sooners here. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of – let me just give you four words or or names. Can I do that? Sure. Creed Humphrey, Bill Biedenboe. That's really all you need to know about this offensive line. Sure, Oklahoma has five returning starters, but it all starts with Creed Humphrey, who sets the tone, a locally grown product out of Oklahoma, playing for the University of Oklahoma. Again, physicality, he sets that tone. Matt, you've used the term nasty in the past, and when we look at this this Oklahoma offensive line, they've got a trio that can be an absolute absolute destroyer in the trenches with those three cogs begin to work together. I believe they can, they can easily throw a couple of other names just to get some experience. So we've got the three Adrian Ely. We've got um, Hayes, Marquise Hayes, as well as as Creed Humphrey that I believe are, are going to be monsters in the trenches for Oklahoma this year. When it comes to this offensive line, I think all three of them land on 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 the all conference list, and that's really what separates them from everyone for me is that potential there. No, that's 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 a hundred percent what I have on uh, when we do it across the board with all the writers from Heartland Sports. I said this is where the Sooners separate themselves from the rest of the pack. 
you know, when you look at the, the, the offenses in the Big 12, there's only one offense that's going to have five guys with returning experience. They lost R.J. Proctor, but R.J. Proctor wasn't a full-season starter. He was a full-season participant, but, I mean, I, he's he's not a guy that you counted on every weekend to be the anchor or just to be a full-time player on that offensive line. He split time at the starting spot. You're 100% right with Creed Humphrey. He's not just all-conference. He's all-American. He will be the best offensive lineman going into the season and a high chance he'll be the best offensive lineman this conference has to offer exiting the season. Could have gone and been an NFL draft pick, but because he's going to come back and play a redshirt junior season, he'll be a first-round draft pick if he continues to progress like we've seen him over the last two years. And again, just to echo what uh, what you said about Bill Biedenbow, best in the business, absolutely the best in the business. And you, you look at you, you go back and you look at the players, look at the Cody Fords, look at the Bobby Evans, look at the Orlando Browns, look at the guys that he's putting in the NFL. Not only is he given the NFL elite offensive linemen, he's given the NFL elite offensive linemen who play nasty, who play with an edge, who don't just want to block you. They want to punish you. They will not take a playoff. And if you take a playoff, they will destroy you. You want to know about Oklahoma's offensive line? Go back two seasons ago when Oklahoma played Texas in the Big 12 championship and you had Hager and all those guys talking trash. They abused Hager to the point where the kid had to delete his Twitter account after the game because of the abuse that he took from this offensive line. That's the nastiness. That was not an exception. Every Bill Biedenboe offensive line plays with that level of nasty. And he's got five guys with returning experience. Are you kidding me? I'll take them over any other offensive line in the Big 12. And this is absolutely why the Sooners with a brand new quarterback with breaking in a young crop of receivers. This is why they will be favored to win the big 12 again in 2020 because of the five guys lining up in front of Spencer Rattler. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. Short episode to start the week. We'll be back Thursday night with some other thoughts, things that take place this week in the Sooner Nation. Uh, again, thanks again for listening. Tell us where you agree or where you disagree. Hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, send us an email, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com or find us on the web. You want to hear what the other guys in our, uh, in our Heartland Sports writing staff want to say about the offensive line? Look us up, heartland-sports.com. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Boomer Sooner.